This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Welcome to this week's episode. I am so excited to welcome Melissa Guerrero, who is a certified lactation counselor and founder of the Instagram page Pump Mama Pump. I'm going to be adding that to my show notes. And she's here to talk to me about the 10 most common mistakes or misconceptions when you are pumping. Thank you so much for joining me, Melissa. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited that I found you on social. Um, for me, it's because I don't think there's a lot of education about pumping for people who are lactating. So I really appreciate the stuff that you're putting out there. Tell me more about why you became a lactation counselor and why you started Pump Mama Pump. Certainly. Boy, are you right about that. <laughs> so my first baby was born a month early, which landed him in the NICU. So they got me started exclusive pumping. I didn't even know it was a thing before that. I just always assumed I'd nurse. And then it worked so well for my family. I went on to choose to exclusively pump for my second baby. So I had two exclusive pumping journeys, about 22 months total of pumping. And then I started Pump Mama Pump between my babies to be who I needed when I got started. I needed that education, that motivation, that support that really wasn't out there for exclusive pumping moms. And I appreciate this. So I am actually getting my lactation consultant license. I'm working on the credentialing. And one thing we don't get enough training on in that training is pumping. I mean, we obviously know the basics, but I need to have someone like you who is really trained on pumping because there's an art to it. You know, there's something, not even Absolutely. just the physical, but the emotional um, journey that a mother goes through when they're exclusively pumping, breastfeeding, but it's really different. You know, I think you know this, I don't know if you knew my birth story, but I did exclusive pumping for about two weeks. And then for me, I decided to do formula. Um, and that was a decision that was so personal to me. But I think mm -hmm. what mothers need more of is that support, like you said, from people like you, resources like your page um, and your you know, classes and courses and things like this to really help them support them physically and emotionally through this journey. So thank you so much for joining me because I think what you're doing is phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So we chose to talk about the top 10 mistakes or misconceptions when pumping. And so I wanted to kind of ask your opinion because of your experience and also how you help other lactating people. What have you seen maybe that we can do differently or things that you should consider when starting your pumping journey and continuing it? All right. Let's start with number one. Big misconception about pumping is that it's not breastfeeding. 
Hmm. Moms will get questions when people see them feeding their baby with a bottle. Hey, why aren't you breastfeeding? Hmm. And, you know, it can, like you said, it can be such a personal decision. And there might be a lot of trauma surrounding that. And, you know, they might fumble over words and feel a lot of guilt explaining, well, they have their force to exclusively pump. And, you know, it's not formula, I swear. And there's a lot of guilt yeah. surrounding. There's a lot of guilt surrounding formula, but there's also a lot of guilt surrounding pumping. Totally. And I just want mamas to know that exclusive pumping is breastfeeding. It's just not nursing. Mm-hmm. And just practicing that phrase when your pediatrician asks you if you're breastfeeding, um, you can confidently say, Yes, I'm feeding my baby bottle-fed breast milk. I'm breastfeeding. Oh, you're so right, though. And like you said beautifully, like there's so much judgment on every way that we feed our baby, whether a mom is nursing, whether they're doing exclusive pumping, and whether they're formula feeding, whether they're mixing. I mean, it's just like it never Mm -hmm. ends. And I love that one. That is a great, important one. And I obviously, as a pediatrician, completely agree that it is breastfeeding. Um, What would be number two for you? Two is that people think they're the only one doing it. I mean, Mm. I was there. I didn't know it was a thing. I thought I was the only one doing it, that no one else had it that way. And I just want people to know that they are not alone. The more you follow exclusive pumping pages on Instagram or perhaps join groups on Facebook, you quickly realize that you are definitely not alone And it's much easier than you think to find support and people who've been there and can help you in your own journey. Oh, and I imagine like anything that we do in motherhood, um, when you know there's other people going through that similar experience, Mm -hmm. it can, like you said, add for that emotional support that is so needed um, in those first few months and obviously just throughout motherhood. Uh, So I completely agree with that one because I've seen that and experienced that myself. So far, these are just oh, already so empowering things. And I love it. That was, the, that was the point of this episode is that not only the nitty gritty things that we'll maybe go into, but more so just the overall feelings of pumping. So these two are already so important. Thank you. Yeah. Speaking about empowering, the third one is that people think it's not a choice um, mm-hmm. because they might not have gotten that nursing relationship that they just assumed they would have. And People feel a lot of guilt about that when really what they're feeling is grief. You're able to mourn the expectations of that relationship. But then, you know, feel your feelings, please (laughs) mourn those expectations. But then I want mamas to be empowered by their choice to exclusively pump because that is a choice. You could formula feed. And if you make the choice to exclusively pump or the choice to supplement or the choice to formula feed, I want moms to feel empowered by whatever feeding choice they make. And they want, I want feeding your baby to be a positive experience. Did you find with your children, especially your first child, that you experienced that sort of um, commentary that, oh, why didn't you do this? Or, you know, that sort of uh, judgment that we get as moms? Oh, yes. Because people, yeah. don't, people don't understand exclusive pumping, especially yeah. like one generation older, because mm-hmm. um, it just wasn't a thing. And along with that, you know, I did make the choice to do it with my first son after having nursing not be an option anymore. But then I also want people to realize that it can be a choice even if baby latches perfectly fine. With my second baby, you know, I saw a lactation consultant in the hospital and she latched just fine. But I know that I like exclusive pumping and it works well for my family. So it was a choice to do it with my second baby. And I want people to know that whether it's their second choice, third choice, first choice, 
whatever, I want them to be empowered by that. Oh, that's a great way to put it. And this is, again, so great because you're empowering people listening. And that's what I want from this episode, that it's our choice, it's our control, and whatever we're choosing is the right thing. And we need more of this messaging across the social media. And, um, you know, your account, obviously, is one of those accounts that truly does that. So, again, thank you, because I just feel as a pediatrician who came on the social media space in the last few years, I just felt like we don't get a lot of that sometimes. There is a lot of shaming, even from popular social media accounts. So it really needs to be us who says, you know what, let's break this all down. Let's remove the the guilt, the shame and everything that's associated with it, because that is how we're going to succeed more. You know, all that stuff doesn't help us when we're trying no, to doesn't. reach our goals. So we need supportive people like you and a supportive community. That is so key. What would be the next one? Number four is that it's not as healthy for baby as nursing. So mm. people think that pumped milk is somehow inferior than um, nursed milk directly from the breast. And one of these things that has surfaced lately with what's been going on with the pandemic yeah. is antibodies. Yeah. And there is research, more and more research every day, showing all the ways mom can start to make antibodies in her breast milk that's not just backwash from a nursing child. Yeah. So if I'm exposed to the same germs my baby is, and I sample those germs from baby's skin through touch and kiss, my body will actually begin to make those antibodies through my milk and help baby fight off viruses, help baby stay healthy, just like a nursing baby would. And the breast milk otherwise is completely the same. It has those white blood cells. It has all the really, really good stuff to help keep your baby growing and keep your baby healthy, just like milk nursed from the breast would. And what would be number five? Number five is you think they can't get a bonding experience like someone who nurses directly at the breast would get. And let me tell you, if you've ever held a baby, <laughs> there are so many ways to bond with your baby, especially overfeeding. Yeah. You can bottle feed, you know, you could bottle feed and bond while you're feeding with baby, just like you can bond while nursing directly at the breast. But also, you could still do skin to skin, eye contact, playing with babies. And everyone who gets to feed your baby, whether that's a partner or a family member, also gets that really valuable bonding experience over feeding. And it's not just the mom who gets that. So I think that's really quite beneficial to everyone in the family. Oh, I am so tired of that misconception too. And I, I love that you brought that one up because I just feel like you're right. There's so much more to infant development than I think you hear about um, in terms of, oh, well, breast nursing means that you are going to have that bond. Um, Co-sleeping. I mean, there's so many different things about attachment and we could go into a whole episode about oh, yeah. what what is secure attachment versus attachment theory in parenting. It's totally different. But yeah, I mean, I hear it all the time. Um, and as someone who was separated from her child for about two weeks because of complications and then also bottle fed, oh my gosh, eight, 19 months out, this kid is obsessed with me as I am obsessed with him. And also you brought it up perfectly, the connection that he's created with my husband, you know, um, my husband who also did some bottle feeds. I ended up doing most of them because I like that sort of, you know, holding close mm -hmm. cuddles like you get, but you're right that you are going to bond with your child in so many different ways, whether it's with a bottle, whether it's after feedings, hello, there's playtime, there's cuddle times that happen oh, besides yeah. feeding. So I think this is such an important one. Thank you for clarifying that one. Of course. 
Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with Factor Meals because they're ready in two minutes, no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious Factor Meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. You made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye-bye late night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel. The next one, and people get this from so many different sources, and it's just not always true. Number six, it's not sustainable. And I'm actually talking about exclusive pumping. I know I keep coming back to that because that is my specialty. That's what I did. But pumping in general, not being sustainable. With regular milk removal, whether you're nursing regularly on demand or whether you have a really great pumping schedule and you stick with that schedule and you pump regularly, it can absolutely be sustainable. There's certain things you have to keep in mind, like changing your valves. So all pumps have a valve. Sometimes they look different for the different brands of pump, but the valve actually controls the suction. Yeah, the pump motor does its job. But when you're replacing your pump parts in the recommended time frame, so a valve, for example, an exclusive pumper that pumps, you know, seven, eight times a day would want to replace their valve um, monthly, where an occasional pumper might want to replace their valve every three months. 
Um, and that just keeps your supplies in working order, keeps your pump in working order and properly fitting flange sizes. I do flange fittings so often because moms just really need help finding a properly fitting flange. So there's so many variables that help exclusive pumping, yes, be sustainable. And you can do it for pretty much as many months as your body lets you. Now, there are some factors like um, the return of your period or perhaps um, getting pregnant with an additional child that could affect your hormones and things without our control that might affect your milk output. But yes, it can be sustainable. Um, How long did you do exclusive pumping with your first child? My first child was 10 and a half months. Awesome. And my second child was 14 months with really, really slow weaning at the end. I see. I see. No, that's a really great point. So far, what we've gone through, I think six of them. Um, Wow, this is so great. And I know it's going to really empower so many people listening. Um, Let's talk about the top four now. Okay. Oh, they're not in actually. Oh, yes. They're not in order. Yes, they're not in order. (laughs) Sorry, I should say that. I apologize. They're not in order of importance. I agree with that more. So the next four, let's do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So this one is not meant to cause any shame or guilt, but there is a misconception that pumping can be really flexible, (laughs) that Mm -hmm. you can do it whenever you want. And for a mother who exclusively breastfeeds through nursing, that's so true. You can pump um, once a day. You can pump when you return to work. You can not pump at all and just nurse directly from the breast. But for exclusive pumping mothers, that's mothers who don't nurse, they don't latch baby, they're just pumping, schedule and regular milk removal is so important. Mm. Not only is it important for your supply, but it's also really important for your breasts. When you have them go really, really long without being emptied, you leave them susceptible to pressure building from the inside, which can lead to clogged ducts or even mastitis. So you can't just stop and start whenever you want. (laughs) Um, It does take a certain level of commitment to stick to a schedule. And that schedule just really depends on the production of a mother's breast milk, what age of the baby in terms of their feeding as well, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think one of the things I often get asked is like, you know, parents, when they start out, obviously, when you're first starting out nursing, breastfeeding, formula feeding, um, doing exclusive pumping, the feedings are more common, right? I mean, you're going to have anywhere from eight to 12, sometimes cluster yeah. feedings are happening. And then parents or mothers are like, is this what it's going to be like? I'm like, no, 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 I promise you at some point, you're not going to be waking up every three hours, um, you know, to feed or pump. Um, so it really just is about listening is in this situation, listening to cues and making sure that you're removing the milk when necessary to avoid those complications, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's other, other biological factors with mothers who might have an oversupply mm-hmm. or varying breast capacity, which is not linked yeah. to breast size. So some mothers can actually hold more milk at one time in their breast and therefore pump fewer times a day. And some mothers cannot hold that much milk in their breast at one time and need to pump a little more often to make that same daily total number. This is so good. Yeah, so good to know. And I think I'll have you back on um, maybe in a few weeks. We'll do another episode on some tips you have about pumping when we return to work. And maybe we'll go into more strategies, kind of incorporating this a little bit. But this is so great. I know we're not giving as much of the nitty gritty of pumping in this episode, um, but this is such an important topic. Uh, Let's do number eight. Number eight uh, is the misconception that it's a lot harder than nursing. (laughs) And Mm. there might be some listeners being like, uh, yeah. 
it's a lot harder than nursing. Well, that's so subjective. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it depends on mama's lifestyle and preferences, honestly, and taking care of your own mental health and knowing what you need as a mom is so important to help you properly care for your baby. So me, for example, I liked being on a pumping schedule. I liked how mechanical it was because there's yeah. so much there's so much unpredictability about pregnancy and childbirth and that newborn phase that I just really liked pumping on schedule and then bottle feeding on demand. Whereas, you know, a nursing mother might nurse, like you, you mentioned cluster feeding. Oh, that would drive me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, that's just me. But I have a friend who her baby's pretty much attached to her all day and she loves it. To me, that seems quote, harder than pumping. So the misconception here is that you can't assume what's hard for one mother is going to be hard for another mother. And having these conversations and learning what you need as a mom is so important to not only care for your body and care for your baby, but care for your mental health too. Yeah. And like you said, it's about learning the options out there. Like you said, you made a choice to do this. It might work for many, many people that this is what they want and they should have the resources like your education on your page to say, yeah, this actually does work really well. Or maybe I think it doesn't work, but what can I do to make it work? Like I said, yes. physically, emotionally, like what yes. support do I need to make this actually happen where I don't have to love every single moment, but that this mm -hmm. is something I enjoy and that I can actually, you know, it works with my lifestyle. I love that. I love that perspective so much. Yes. Um, the next one is, oh, social media just does a number on some moms with this one. Freezer stash. <laughs> mm -hmm. That you need a huge freezer stash. First of all, let me tell you, most of those freezer stashes you see are from mothers with a biological oversupply. Um, and that can be a blessing and a curse. Let me tell you, um, if you talk to a mother with an oversupply, it might actually be a burden on them. It's not always something that you, quote, want to have. But I'll also tell you a secret. I had a freezer stash. Why did I have one? Because I first had to and then chose to supplement with formula. And therefore, I could stash away some milk and extend the time period in which I could feed my baby breast milk because I was giving both formula and breast milk. Let me back it up just a step about why you don't need a huge freezer stash. Some people think, okay, I'm going back to work. I need to stash all the milk I can right now to send to daycare. Well, legally in the US, and I know you said you're going to have me back to talk more about work, and that's great because that's when most people start pumping. Legally in the US, your employer needs to provide you time and space to pump at work. So ideally, you'd be pumping on Monday at work what you would send with baby for their caregiver on Tuesday, pumping on Tuesday to send mm -hmm. to Wednesday, and so on. It's always helpful to have a small freezer stash that if you need to or want to leave baby with a babysitter or perhaps for those first few days going back to work. But these huge, huge freezer stashes that you see on social media can really cause some mothers a lot of guilt that they don't yeah. have one. And I just need you to know you don't need one. Yeah, you are so right. It's almost like when, I don't know, sometimes I feel like when that's posted, it's like, hey, look at, I don't know, I've always, even before I became a mom and I saw people do that, I mean, I hadn't even begun to go through this process. I was like, do we really need to show all of that? Like, what is the purpose of showing that you are overproducing or that, oh my God, now I have to figure out what to do with all of my milk? Like, what purpose does that serve? Like, it, I don't know. I never even understood why people share that. And also when you look at it from the other side as someone who's 
trying to create a supply or even thinking, do I need to do this? Again, you don't need to do it. And over pumping can lead to issues, right? I mean, you don't want to overdo it where you lead to more problems and overproduction if that's not what's needed. So oh, I completely agree with that. So great. And you had one more, right? I do. Mm -hmm. Number 10 is the misconception that you're failing if you supplement with formula. Mm. And this is a big one for pumping mothers and actually all breastfeeding mothers. Sometimes supplementing with formula or completely switching over to formula is a fact of life. I mean, you're a pediatrician under one years of age. Those are the options for baby, right? Breast milk or formula. (laughs) And if a mother is facing low supply or something like that, and they need to start giving their baby formula, sometimes they have a lot of guilt associated with that. And they feel like they failed their baby somehow. And mama guilt has no place in feeding your baby. It really doesn't. doesn't. Um, I heard this thing online that just stuck with me and it was a change in mindset from, it said, I only breastfed for blank, switching that to I was able to breastfeed for blank. So fill that in. I was was only, I only breastfed for three weeks. Oh mama, but you were able to breastfeed for three weeks. Yeah. And that just a little switch of a mindset and um, honoring your journey and really being grateful for what your body was able to do. And then knowing that formula is formula for a reason. It is formulated (laughs) for baby. And there are so many different choices of formula out there and experts to help you navigate the formula world to be confident in that choice as well. And the last thing I want you to feel like is that you're somehow failing your baby. One more thought about that that really helped me when I began to supplement with formula is I started to think about all the food my baby's going to eat starting, you know, around six months. They're going to eat purees. They're going to eat broccoli, all sorts of things that I can't produce with my breast. I just put formula into that category. It's just one other thing that my baby's going to eat that I can't produce. And to me, that really helped kind of group that into all the different things that are going to help nurture your baby in addition to what you were already able to provide them with your breast milk. That is such a great way of looking at it. I mean, that's exactly what I tell anyway, especially when you think about just health and bonding. We talked about so many different reasons um, why people can feel guilt with exclusive pumping or formula. Everything is all part of this whole big picture of health and nutrition. And it is an additional, and you are right, that Oh, it is formulated like such for a reason. We know breast milk is beneficial, but formula is also a great option and it's not inferior. It's like this weird thing that I want to empower people to breastfeed, nurse, exclusively pump, but I also want people to be empowered to formula feed because it's what we need to do for our babies, which is healthy nutrition. I mean, it all comes down to providing food for our babies and all of it is food. It's now, what does mommy want? What does mommy feel like she has the resources and what does she feel comfortable doing, which can look so different for so many different families. It really can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head with that one. It really can. And I really want moms to feel confident and empowered with whatever feeding choice they make and um, know that they're taking care of their baby the best way that they know how and 
that <laughs> one way of feeding does not make you a better mother than someone who feeds a different way. Yeah, that inferiority, superiority mm -hmm. kind of complex that I think, you know, again, we've pitted us against ourselves. You know, we not only just from the guilt that we create, but also how we view others and how it's viewed on social mm -hmm. media. Like you said, mm -hmm. it, it's become such a problem where we look at things as inferior and superior when it's truly just different. It's yeah. different experiences, different things, but it's not that you're better or I'm worse or vice versa, mm -hmm. you know? So that's really important. Thank you so much for joining me. This was so great. Um, obviously, that was an amazing final message. Where can people find you again? Tell me about your social media channel, um, anything else you'd want to, you know, where people can find you and get your support. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, you can find me on Instagram. That's my main platform at pump underscore mama, M-O-M-M-A underscore pump. So it's Pump Mama Pump with two underscores and pumpmamapump.com. I will be attaching all of these to my show notes, everyone, because I myself get so much good information from Melissa's page, which is why I wanted her on my podcast. So make sure you follow her. Like she said, I'll add it to my show notes and visit her website. And I'll have to have her on in a few weeks or a month or so to get her um, feedback and education on returning to work and pumping. Thanks again for joining me, Melissa. I can't wait. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, PedsDocTalkTV. We'll talk to you soon. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking